And welcome back to part two of the Thanksgiving mystery. That's not probably what I called it. So did you know. have a lot of cake at that, at that birthday party? I did have a lot of ice cream. Gelato, actually. Okay. There's two flavors there that are really good. One's called Cookie Monster, and it is literally blue. I was hoping. Yeah. I was hoping. It's really good. And it's got cookie dough and cookies and cream. That's a lot. It is. But then I also mixed it with coffee cookie. So there was even more Oreo cookies going on. Oh my goodness. I mean, that sounds pretty good. It was good. Yeah, it was really good. Okay. But it's just high energy. It's okay. high energy time. Because it's time to solve a mystery. And that mystery is Penny O'Brien and the Cranberry Jewels. Which is probably the actual episode of the title. Episode of the title? Title of the episode. <laughs> um, and last time, Penny O'Brien was trying to get to the bottom of aforementioned Cranberry Jewels. Um, we had met a colorful cast of characters. Officer Robert Ost. Stu Halpert. Blanche Asperge. Captain Donovan Smoke. Trixie Rutabaga. All seemingly um suspects in the thievery of the in the theft of the cranberry jewels from mr walter poach the very strange rich man who commissioned the shining plenty a thanksgiving themed set of i guess ostentatious wealth right now you have what was the turkey made out of gold just solid gold turkey that sounds like a weird sort of slang <laughs> so you do have Alan gold turkey you do have um some leads you have a couple of clues right now most of the people are gathered in the drawing room where mr mm -hmm. brine the footman has been sort of making sure no one can leave although no one can really leave in this blizzard anyway uh the only person that's not in the drawing room is captain smoke whom you have seemed to have Offended by causing a rift between uh, Stu and Ro and Smoke, and they have Smoke seems to have been upset by something. You know that they are both lying to you about something, although what that is, you are not quite sure. So Smoke has returned to the main hall. They're all lying, all of them, every last one, except for maybe the officer. So Penny O'Brien, what's your next move? So after his drunken um, wandering, uh, is Stu inclined to continue the conversation? Sure. He's got nothing better to do. He's just sitting there trying to sober up, drinking his coffee, um, you know, being Stu, as it were. What does Miss Asperge look like right now? Tired. Madame. She's very tired. And Ost and uh, What's-Her-Face are still in the room as well? Trixie, Rutabaga, and Officer Robert Ost are still in the room presently. What are they up to in the corner? Uh, they're actually not talking to each other. They seem to be very intentionally not being next to each other. I would like to briefly speak with uh, Madame Asperge before maybe leaving the room because she has no footing with any of these people and trying to talk to people when she can't do any research and can't find out any more information from somebody who's not going to lie to her. Is kind of obnoxious. Mm hmm Okay, so you go over to Madame Asperge, and she looks at you wearily. 
I should have never taken this job. Too much hassle, or it's not paying as well as you hoped. Ooh, interesting. Roll perception, please. Uh, two purple, oh. one blue. I should get my perception out. Two purple, one blue. Correct. One success, two advantage. When you say not paying as well as you thought, you see her tighten up a bit. With your advantage, you know this. You have hit the nail right on the head with that one. And she goes, right now it's the hassle. Uh, Penny will cast a specific glance at Stu and then kind of bob her head in that, yeah, I can see it kind of way. <laughs> um, with the two advantage, I would like to notice something about her person, either what she's wearing or um, something she has on her person that would be informative. Hmm, okay. Unless it's a goose chase, then you can use the second advantage to actually give me useful information. Yeah, I will say that obviously when she was in party mode before, she was wearing some geometric design thing that was clearly high fashion, trying to make an impression as, you know, the artiste of the Shining Plenty. However, right now she's very much in, you know, civilian mode. Everyone was woken. So she looks far older right now than she did earlier when she was all gussied up, um, wearing a simple asparagus colored bathrobe dressing gown whatever you want to call it and um you know not not a lot of jewelry i would say well i would say no jewelry actually um yeah i don't think there's really any other useful information you could get out of her physical appearance that would tip you off to anything useful in your investigation okay um quick question just to rehash something did she design the lock or did they outsource the lock? You have not asked that question. Does she look open to conversation? Sure. Does she have a coffee in her hand yet? Yes. I think you guys were okay. very good about distributing those pretty quickly. Yeah, it's, it's a way to start. Um, Penny will get herself a coffee and motion towards the seat next to asparagus. Mm -hmm. She nods. Now... I have to ask, because I'm quite, quite curious. How does one become an artist of gemstones? Uh, well, I just began my training in uh, sculpture, of course, thinking I would also move my way into jewelry work. And I had a few opportunities in my own country to combine the two. I used to be acquainted with a uh, patron of significant wealth who allowed me to use a great number of materials and that I would not normally be able to procure for myself, and I was able to start uh, working on this type of art. I imagine you need quite the wealthy patron, given the rarity of these materials. Ah, yes, he was. He was. Oh, those halcyon days. Ah, but so many things are more beautiful when we look through the lens of the past. Yes, I suppose so. They are also more beautiful when the patron in question is alive. Ah, my apologies. She waves it off. It's the nature of these things. That is why it was so important to me to try to continue my work and to get my name out there to attract in, uh, more lucrative commissions. However... Even though Monsieur Poch runs in some very important social circles, I'm starting to find that this uh, perhaps was not worth all the effort. 
I suppose it could just be a one and done. Or worse comes to worse. If you made it, that lock is quite ingenious. That is something that you could probably sell as well. Such a design. The lock? Oh, no, 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 no. I did not make the lock. That was something that Monsieur Poch had installed. Oh. My father uh, is a tinker by trade, or was, I suppose. He's retired now. But he always liked fiddling with such things, and I know that to the right bidder, such things can be of quite interest. But you are an artiste, and your art will surely be appreciated beyond these walls. I certainly hope so. That is the hope at this point. I believe, as you say, Monsieur Poch and I are a one and done. But it will be on display, and your name will be attached and shared and spread. Only if you are able to find these cranberry jewels. It's not going to be much ah. of a... I do not really want my name to be associated with some sort of crime. You say that, but it adds public intrigue. Not the type of intrigue I am interested in, unfortunately. Uh, Penny, Penny will laugh and kind of, you know, nod and take a sip from her coffee. I do understand. It is a very specific brand of individual that follows such things. I shall endeavor to do my best and to solve this mystery to clear as many people as I can. Well, for that, I am very grateful. And if there is anything you need from me to, for help, please do not hesitate to ask. Out of curiosity, the cranberries, they themselves were individual rubies, yes? Uh, yes, uh, 16 individual rubies cut to specific parameters so that they would fit together in the, uh, in the serving dish. Are the other items also individual, like the potatoes? Hmm... I suppose they are, but um, once I added the gold gravy, they were more or less secured together. I see. It's an interesting approach. If you'll excuse me for one moment, please. She nods and goes back to her coffee. Out of character question, sir. Mm-hmm. Ost hasn't lied to me that I know of, correct? Correct. Because as we established last episode, you have some sort of anti-deception... Uh, <laughs> just to be obnoxious super skill which is really the more i think about it the more that's really interesting it's such an interesting mechanic and honestly this is the first time i've seen a high willpower character in this system or any of the you know genesis final fantasy flight systems and it is very intriguing to me i've never really seen one used like this before well she was created with very specific parameters in mind, and Will was the best option amongst them. Yeah. So um, she's going to walk over to Ost, who is very specifically not speaking with his prisoner. Mm-hmm. Uh, got anything new to go on? Well, they're all liars, but I don't think that's going to surprise anybody. Well, we're all hiding something, aren't we? Do tell. Ah, uh, he looks stricken. I just meant, you know, like my previous relationship with uh, Miss Rutabaga. That's all. One could see that as being, you know, suspicious, given that I'm a police officer and, you know, she's the primary suspect. A weak suspect, but yes. Uh, one moment. Uh, you mentioned that you called her Trixie earlier. Uh, well, yeah, that's her name, her first name, Trixie Rutabaga. Rutabaga is her actual. Last name. As far as I know, yeah. 
Just ascertaining one more fact. I thank you. I've got to look at the means. Everybody's a liar and I have no baseline. <laughs> All right, so let's determine means. Something switches in the game console mode. And um, O says, well, I mean, there's a couple of facts we got here. I mean, obviously, uh, Madame Spares knew the code and that code was the last one entered. So she could have opened it at any time. And, uh, you know, yes, but the key is not tracked and the key could have opened it at any time. That's true, although it was Mr. Poach who had the key. That does not make him any less a suspect. You think Poach stole his own gemstones? I think we shouldn't rule it out until we have reason to. Well, it seems to me that he was up with his mother and all of his servants were around, and I guess those aren't exactly the strongest witnesses, but what would he gain from stealing his own gemstones and then seemingly framing Trixie? That's a wonderful question to ask. Well, it could be Smoke. Smoke was a special ops guy in the military. He could probably pick a lock. And I mean, I guess if we're being thorough... What's a lock made of? Uh, whatever lock material. <laughs> um, you know, Just like brass, like standard lock stuff? Yeah, you know, in, in preparation, I was looking up um, 1920s like vaults. And uh, they're, A, very pretty looking. <laughs> like, uh, you know, if you kind of think in your head... Oh, a bank vault with all the little gears and switchies, whatever. Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. definitely like the vibe. So yeah, it's it's brass or iron or steel or whatever it's made out of. It's it's, I would say it's a bank quality grade um, locking mechanism stuff. So it seems like it it'd be something that would take some effort, skill, or sneakiness. Correct. Um, an amateur probably couldn't fumble their way into unlocking this sort of vault. Although O says, if we're going to be thorough, though, I mean, I suppose Trixie has the skills to open something like that. Good to know. How far away is Trixie sitting from where we are? Uh, ten feet. I suppose I owe her one more conversation. You want me to come with, or? Might as well. All right. The pair of you approach Trixie. She looks up. Does she have a coffee? Um, if she does not already, I would be bringing her one. Okay. Yeah. You give her a coffee. Even the prisoners get coffee, I guess. She takes it with both hands as she is still handcuffed. Thank you. I apologize for, for the formality, but accusations, officers, you know how it goes. Yes, I know how this is going to go. No need to apologize, Miss O'Brien. You're just an author, after all. And she takes a sip of coffee. Oh, just rubbing it in my face. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Penny will sit very primly, a little more erect and a little more sternly than previous demeanors. Um, tell me, Miss Rutabaga, what cause would they have to suspect you, aside from the evidence? Well, Poach doesn't like me, so if he can find a way to get rid of me, he's going to. And let's be honest here, I'm a spiritual advisor and I'm not... It's not a reputable career, is it? Not even you found it to be of well repute. It is of uncertain veracity with which I have found many of those claims made. Would you be comfortable in telling me why she needed a spiritual advisor? We all get lost now and again, don't we? And when we get lost, sometimes we seek to find 
guidance from a larger power. And how did she seek you out? Well, a friend of a friend of hers. I had performed a few seances and readings at a, a party even amongst her social circle, and I was recommended to her. Have you contacted anyone for her? Mrs. Poach isn't particularly interested in contacting the dead. She more is curious about how the fates interplay with the future. Sorry, I'm processing a question in my head. Mm -hmm. I take it you do readings as such, then? Indeed, I am capable of such things, having been blessed with a touch of the arcane. I'm just going to say, assuming this is before she meets a certain tall, dark lunatic, uh, it won't provoke quite the negative twitch when she says arcane. Um, tell me, is the master of the house ever participating in these? No. Mr. Poach thinks I am a charlatan and that I am a dangerous influence on his mother and has often threatened to call the police or to have his men throw me out onto the street only to be prevented by his mother's very stern warnings. If you Are you well paid and well kept here? Enough so, yes. I suppose I get to live here. The food is good and the company is decent. It's warm and it's safe. And if I am to choose between my pride and my belly, I shall choose my belly every time. A sensible answer. Before I wander abroad, as it were, do you have any other information you'd be willing to indulge? Such as? Gossip, rumors, hearsay. About these folk? I don't think I have much. The relationship between a mother and a son? It's strange, but I have to admit I haven't been around the upper class as much as perhaps others have, and I don't know if this relationship is good or not. They do seem to care a great deal about each other. And their squabbles are, well, they're just that. They're squabbles. May I see your hands? Well, she's holding a coffee mug and they're handcuffed, but she does the best she can. I'm mainly just looking for, you know, evidence of the gold dust that I saw earlier. Ah, uh, roll perception, one purple. Which was part of why I was going to talk to Madame Asperge, but I think I forgot. I'm sorry, what's my difficulty? One purple. One purple. Well, that's four success, but two threat. Oh, beautiful. I'm going to flip this dark side point at the same time. Da, 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 da. And you're looking at her hands and, um, you know, examining them. And she goes, what are you looking for exactly? To be fair and honest, evidence. Hmm. Well, it might be easier if I could turn my wrists a bit. And with a little flick of her wrist, the handcuffs fall off her and land in her lap. Uh, Penny will not be surprised by this, given slight forewarning from Oast. Mm -hmm. A worthy trick, but perhaps one that you should keep to yourself at this time. She shrugs. She leaves the handcuffs on her lap and is just sipping her coffee. Yeah, that's fine. I don't care. <laughs> it's a blizzard outside. You don't want to go there. Very well. I thank you for your cooperation. And should you find yourself in pressing need of sharing, I will be about the premises. I'm an open book detective. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. Um, what would I, how would I address you? I don't know. Derisively? <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, okay. So, um, actually, no, I have one more question. You have referred to me more than once, I believe, as an author. Is that why I was invited? I'm not sure. She looks a little confused. I know Mrs. Poach is a fan of yours. She won't stop talking about your books with me. No, for that I do apologize. <laughs> I know how wearisome they can be. <laughs> so you and O but step. I thank you. You and O step away, and he's like, "Well, I still don't think she did it. Although she's being very annoying about this, and I can see how perhaps she's changed your mind about that." I'm assuming the the four successes. I didn't see any signs. Correct. Because you just mentioned the the, oh, the yes, I, there is no there is no gold yeah. anywhere. Oh, says should we search their stuff, go through their belongings, as it were? We should, at bare minimum, do some basic inspections. Yes, and I believe your presence will lend legitimacy to the process. He turns to the gathered people. Um, Captain Smoke has returned at this time, and he says, "Ladies and gentlemen, I'm sorry for this, but we are going to have to conduct a search of your belongings." Um, after all, we are still missing a number of rubies, and Madame Asperge says, 15? Right, right. I was about to say it was 15, yeah. <laughs> 15 rubies, so, um, Stu goes, don't you gotta have a warrant for that? And Smoke says, I've got nothing to hide, go ahead. And everyone kind of glances at Stu, and he throws up his hands and goes, fine, fine, look through my stuff. It's probably the only time you'll get to handle some nice clothing. Just... Just going out of your way to make him obnoxious, aren't you? <laughs> so well, you, given that enthusiasm, perhaps we should start with you. Get it out of the way. Fine with me. Are you going to want them to go with you? I guess they would have to go with you. I, I honestly believe, especially since we're, we are doing this a little outside of the law, that it would be more prudent. Yeah. I don't know the legality behind... Um, <laughs> Locked room mysteries in the fictional 20 somethings. Yeah. Don't. So, okay. You will go. So each of the individuals will stay in the drawing room until you take them uh, up to the room to investigate their belongings. So you, Ost and Stu head up to Stu's room. His room is uh, center left. So. Um, I'm going to be honest, Chris. I'm a very visual thinker, so center left and he's, and he's the, the mock-up that we briefly discussed last time means nothing at all. So unless it's important, it's just going to be words. Okay, there we go. Map set. Okay, so that's actually more or less what I did draw last time, but it, I couldn't make the directions work out. Okay, yeah. Um. So master bedroom, is that going to be our host or is that going to be mom? That's the, that's the host. And then the opposite side where she says grandma's room or something like that. That's, oh, that's the mom. room. Yep. Yeah. So then next to that is Trixie on the left. So I guess audience, uh, if we make it like a clock, right? So the grandmother's room is at 12 o'clock. Trixie is at 11. Stu is at nine. There's a mysterious room, which doesn't make any sense to Leslie yet at seven. Uh, there's six o'clock is the master bedroom. Um, four o'clock, well, five o'clock, I guess, is Penny's room. Three o'clock is Blanche Asperge. And then one o'clock is um, uh, Captain Smoke. I'm willing to say that 
given it is labeled, it makes sense to Leslie, but maybe not to Penny. Yeah. Anyway. It, there's no context for, I'm not going to say it to the audience because there's no context for it yet. So. <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm just being a butt kind of like you. Um, anyway. So up to Stu. Uh, and en route, she'll ask for the, the rundown of his evening. Uh, I mean, there's not really much for you to, for him to tell. He's been in, in the town for um, probably the last four or five days leading up to this event. So he's just been okay. hanging out, drinking, eating, um, as he says, recuperating, Mooching. recuperating from his latest climb. And then he tells you a very boring story about he, how he got to climb some cliffs off the East Coast shore overlooking the ocean. What a delightful way to spend your time. He nods enthusiastically because he does not detect the sarcasm. <laughs> he's like, yeah, it's great. It was great. All right. So um, he's got some very expensive looking luggage. Please roll a perception or some other skill that you feel is appropriate in order to search his belongings. I mean, we could mix it up and roll skullduggery and try and do things sneaky-like. It's the same roll, uh, but... <laughs> All right, go for it. It's going to be... I would say a purple. Good success! <laughs> All right. So you're going through the stuff, and as you can tell, there's just a bunch of clothes, as he previously mentioned. Um, but when you're as thorough as you are, given that you are Penny O'Brien and probably very thorough. You're used to thinking about people hiding things in unusual places. You find a couple, well, first you find very, very quickly in a briefcase, uh, a bunch of rejection letters. And these rejection letters are from different jobs that he seems to have applied to. Um, and like, they're just all like, thank you for your interest. However, we don't feel your skills meet the requirements at this time, blah, 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 blah. Basically, it looks like he's been Ouch. applying for jobs and has not gotten any. The second thing you find... Okay. Um, uh, okay, this is what I will say. Uh, the, you find two more things. First, you find tucked away in, in a uh, riding boot is letters from debt collectors. And they are, you know, standard, like you need to pay up. And they are referencing a bunch of different luxury items that he's in debt for a car, um, a horse, you know, a bunch of just really expensive things that he hasn't completely paid off yet. And then in the pocket of another coat, you find perhaps the most interesting thing. It's a letter from Walter Poach. Do you read it? It's already How been opened. How closely is Stu attending what I'm doing? Um, would you like him to not be attending? I would rather be slightly discreet about reading somebody's missives. Okay, so um, let's roll something to distract him. You'll get a blue because you can get Ost to help you out. Okay. Um, I don't know. Would that be cool? Cool is more of a defensive yeah. roll, so skulldog. You, you can't be offensively cool? What are you talking about? <laughs> I would say skullduggery deception i would even take stealth maybe i i mean i'm cool with uh deception i guess it's again going to be the same role but i think what she'll do is uh after finding like 
the riding boots or something, she will look over at Ost and be like, oh, he has a horse. Do you have a horse officer? And that, that kind of. Yes. Get him talking because he seems to be easily, you know, sent on tangents. Yeah. So you mentioned that O says that he did have to do a, a training once on being a mounted police officer. And then uh, Stu takes the opportunity to talk about his the aforementioned horse he bought and its breeding and how fast it is and how beautiful it is, and how expensive the upkeep is. And so you have a minute to read the letter without his awareness if you roll well i just realized you didn't roll yet okay do that first it's uh two no three purple <laughs> i wasn't gonna let you get too far what's my difficulty three purple Oof. i'm a flip because i want to get this yeah i get this <laughs> that's four success and two advantage okay so you're gonna read this without him noticing the letter is dated about six months ago. It is from Poach. It um, is a stern but loving letter explaining that, you know, that Stu is sort of like a, an, a fourth child to him, that he cares about him a lot, but he's concerned with his lifestyle and therefore he's going to be cutting him off, that he needs to become a man and find his own way in the world once and for all. You said that's about six months ago? Yep. And that tracks with the timeline if you start thinking about the dates of the debt collection and the, you know, failed employment opportunities. It all kind of lines up as that initial letter being the, the starting point of like, oh, he's got money troubles. Mm -hmm. Well, we have, I guess, finished what we can here at this point, unless I'm going to miraculously find something else. No, that is all you can find. So, um... There's nothing else like like when I hover over the options, everything's got a little red check mark in the corner now. Nope. The the music has stopped. The chime has rung. Susato and or Maya has said, I think that's all we can find here, Nick and or Rio. <laughs> and uh, it's, it's time to go. I was just standing by the door making eyes at me like, hey, hey, make this guy stop. He's really obnoxious. Right. I was goes, all right, well, I think we've yeah. we've gone through all we can find here. No rubies. And Stu goes, see, I told you. No, I, I thank you greatly for your cooperation. Uh, she and smiles I, brightly. Yeah. And as you even guys, though she kind of still wants to punch him in the teeth. <laughs> and as you're walking down, he's like, hey, so uh, how much does an author like you make? And are you single? <laughs> <laughs> it varies. And yes. But thank you for your interest. Um, and she politely shows him the door to the drawing room. All right. Asked Brian. Yep. Uh, um, who, who I guess. Yes. Yeah, search next. Madam Asperge. 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 Okay. So you take Madame Aspergians upon you. You take Madame Asperge. By the way, this is where probably the French, the French-speaking members of the Discord are pulling their hair out. But you know what? Too bad. <laughs> um, all right. You take her up to her room. Um, her bags are much more. She's traveling further and longer, so she has more bags, right? Makes sense. Um, Ois looks extremely uncomfortable with search with uh, the idea of searching through a woman's belongings, so he kind of hangs out by the door while you get to it. Um, he is welcoming, encouraged too. <laughs> so you can roll the same perception check, one purple. 
Uh, and while we are walking up, I'd like to just have her kind of walk me through her timeline, how long the the Shining Plenty took and all that fun stuff. Uh, creation took about, I would say, I'm going to say it's going to take a full year. So it got commissioned last Thanksgiving. It was an idea that he had then. Um, and it's taken her an entire year to come up with the materials and, and perfect the sculptures and that type of thing. The roll is three success. Okay. So, confirming your suspicions from earlier, uh, you find her balance book for the project, and um, you can tell she's been very, very underpaid for this. Um, that there, the cost of the project has, was way more than she anticipated, but he did not up the budget for it. And so... Um, there's an itemized list of like how what which each what each piece of the shining plenty costs and then interestingly to you the cranberries rubies are actually the most expensive item on that list um and the other thing you find is another letter from walter poach um and uh this one is not as polite or loving this one is pretty brusque and explains to her that no, he's not going to pay her anymore. And if she continues to badger him about this this issue, she's no longer going to be invited to the presentation um, and the touring of it when he goes to present it around and show it off. When was this letter sent? Uh, probably, it's say, a month ago. And out of curiosity, the rubies, were they itemized and listed at the same time as the other products? Yes. Okay, so they were not a six-month-ago type edition. Okay. And that's all that of, of interest in here. Henny is a lot more professional than I would be. Otherwise, I would be trying to find a way to embarrass Ost. Uh, but we will go back <laughs> to the drawing room. All right. Um, Smoke next, I guess. Okay. Smoke um, has a much plainer, shabbier set of luggage. Not much to it. And, uh, this is gonna be a little bit harder. This one's gonna be a purple and a black. I'm flipping again, because this is a terrible idea. You barstools. <laughs> Complete you wash. You absolute barstools. Flat wash. I find uh, shabby luggage. Yeah, so, uh, um, you mostly just find clothing at this point. Nothing mm. of interest. That's great. I'll need to wait until I hear some interesting information to come and check again. See what I find. Um, I try to make polite small talk with him. I've already kind of accidentally burned that bridge. Accidentally, intentionally? Uh, I started something, and he, I recognize that I am at fault for that. Yeah, he he will answer your questions perfunctorily. Like, you know, he's giving a mission debriefing. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's annoying. I thank him for his cooperation, and we fetch Trixie. Trixie, interestingly, says, I have no interest in going up there with you to look for myself. If you're going to look for myself, just go do it. Okay. So you go, go look through her stuff. Oh, seems, like, confused and also uncomfortable again with the prospect of going through a woman's stuff, and so he, again, hangs back. Uh, the same role, um... I'm going to say a purple, a blue, and a black. One success. Okay. 
this one is interesting. You find a book. It's not an officially published book. It looks like it's a draft that was sent to a publisher, you know? Um, no cover, but it's typewritten and there's a bunch of marks in the margins of like edits and corrections, that sort of thing. But the title of the book is called Secrets and Methods by Runcible Cabbage. And it seems to be some sort Cabbage of Cabbage again. It seems to be some sort of instruction manual on like how to be a stage magician, essentially, right? Like a tell-all book, perhaps for when he retires as a source of income. Um, tucked within the front cover of Secrets and Methods by Runcible Cabbage is another picture. Um, it is, again, a picture of Runcible Cabbage. And then you see there's a woman and a small girl. You believe the small girl looks very much like Trixie. The woman is a young woman that you do not recognize. And then there's a bunch of medical bills uh, for one Rebecca Parsnip, and uh, they're quite high. Yep, 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 awesome. Items noted, return to Trixie. Actually, before we go back to Trixie, um, Penny will say, for all due diligence, officer, please come with me. Huh? He looks around. I take him to my room, and I shake out my things. Uh, I mean, uh, if I presume we don't find rubies. No, you do not find rubies. <laughs> Again, extremely uncomfortable. Okay. <laughs> and Penny's just like, nope, it's just clothing, dude. Nobody cares. Um, thank you. I believe if we may discuss things with Mr. Ost, I would like to. Not Mr. Ost, he is Mr. Ost. I'd like to speak with our host, is what it boils down to. Okay, Have but, we seen hide nor hair of any of them? The the servants or? So Brian guards the door. And then if you remember, the other servants and Poach have been attending to the mother who is sick. Mm -hmm. And that's presumably where they've been the entire time. Um, if you're asking, like, did you notice them in the background? I would say, yeah, the, the, the cook and the head, like the housekeeper have been probably, you've seen them bustling about as they've been getting bed sheets or food and water that kind of thing so generic home-based bustling yeah nothing of of any note other than you have no reason to believe that they're not doing anything other than what what they said they're doing which is taking care of the grandmother well i'm gonna look at oast and i'm gonna say we have multiple witnesses or not multiple witnesses we have multiple motives it's back to the means which means your young lady is still prime suspect. I don't know much about Mr. Smoke. I suppose we can look over the room again. But at some point, I'm going to have to speak with our host. Well, I can go get him Preferably if you want. Preferably his mother. Um, well, we're at the top of the stairs already, right? Yes. I will knock at Grandma's door. Uh, Mr. Boyle opens the door and he goes, yes. Good evening. I apologize for, I suppose it's good morning at this point. I apologize for interrupting, but I would like to speak with our host at some point if he is available. I understand the dire situation, but I'm merely trying to assist him as best I can in this circumstance. Uh, let me check, ma'am. He vanishes. Trying to figure out if there's a way I can say my name loudly so mo the mom can hear it. He comes back and says, um, perhaps in, in 20 minutes or so, 
Very well. We will meet him in the lounge or wherever the stuff is. Uh, the parlor. Parlor. We'll meet him in the fancy room. Uh, very good. Well, I'll, I'll let him know. And he closes the door. Is there any other rooms where you want to search? Oh, well, we've done my room. And your room is in the servant's wing, you said. Uh, the servant's quarters are in a separate building. But oh. There's the front. Very fancy. There's the, uh, there's the first floor, if you want to take a look. There's also one more room over there. Ah, uh, yeah. Whose room is that? I don't know. Perhaps we should find out. Okay. You walk over to the door and it is locked. Curses. <laughs> Do you suppose you could, you know, he kind of motions his head toward the lock? Do you suppose I was already thinking that? He shrugged. That's my difficulty. Uh, let's see. What's the basic lock? Is one, I think, right? Yeah, just one. Okay, she's she's going to produce um a pen and well, what looks like a pen and disassemble it and then hopefully get to picking, but we'll see what the door does. Oh, interesting. So is it like a secret lock pick kit in a pen? I think what it is is more like, you know how women already always have bobby pins in movies? Uh-huh. It's it's like the equivalent, but it has more options. Okay. So it's it's a tool that she has begun carrying for reasons. Oh, it's Penny O'Brien's pry bar. Okay. Um, yeah, go ahead and roll that. <laughs> Don't with... make it sound like I need a pry bar wooby blanket. <laughs> go ahead and use, it's true. use a, get a blue for having a tool for this. Oh, thank you. I was just enabling myself to have the option of picking the lock, but I'll take a boost. I'll take your pity boost. But it's cool. And it's I like, needed it, kind of. That's two success and one advantage, thanks to the pity boost. And I'll have you know, I myself carry a bobby pin wherever I go, so there you go. It's not just women. Well, you have a man bun. That is true, but still. I assume. I haven't seen your hair in a long time. It's longer than ever. Okay. Um, you I just, just pictured you flicking the hair back and flowing in the breeze there. I did. Um... Go ahead and uh, you open the door and inside is a bedroom. Um, on one hand, it seems frozen in time. Like somebody is supposed to return here that will not be returning here. On the other hand, it also feels a little bit like a museum. Um, you see a lot of different photographs of a young man who bears a striking resemblance to Walter Poach. Uh, there's a bunch of things on the wall, like a high school diploma, some trophies, some, you know, certificates, that sort of thing. This is Walter Jr.'s, a.k.a. Ducky's room. Um, and it has been partially preserved, I guess, as like partial memory, partial museum, question mark, to his life. Um, and it, and the photographs on one of the desks kind of stretch out like the t like a timeline, um, you know, as a, as a child. And then, you know, into his teen years, then him in the military, that sort of thing. Do we see smoke? Roll of perception, one purple, one blue. One success for advantage. So as you're examining that, you think to yourself, well, smoke was his commanding officer. Maybe there's a picture of him in here. And indeed, you do find a picture of Captain Smoke. But it's not the man you've been talking to. Do they at least bear a resemblance? None. None at all. Captain Smoke in this picture is a very scrawny gentleman um, who's maybe like five foot one, 
and Finn, but looks mean and tough as nails, obviously, in order to have become a captain in the army. And uh, in this picture, he has Ducky in a headlock, you know, grinning, sitting in some battlefield somewhere. But you can see the name tag very clearly, Smoke, right there. And it has all the correct rankings, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And uh, but it's not the guy you've been talking to. Cool, cool. Uh, I want to check out that guy's room again. <laughs> Armed with this knowledge, you and Actually, host. I've got four advantages. Yeah. Um, anything else good in those pictures? Um, no, I will say this. I think go back to the room and use those as boost dice. So you can get four blues. Sounds good to me. Emboldened with your new knowledge that perhaps he's an imposter, you go back to search. So it's against one purple, one black, but you get four blues. I will take four blues. Yeah, I will. <laughs> three success and one, two, seven. Three, seven advantage. <laughs> All right. So um, armed with this new information, you find a hidden compartment in Smoke's suitcase. You find in this little hidden compartment um, identification with the man's face, but not his name. This is Thomas Bake. There's also a bunch of documents in here that are declassified mission portfolios, things that are, you know, from the division that Smoke and Poach were in. There's a bunch of notes written in the margins as well, as if he was studying um, all the actions that happened in the war. And then there's a letter that seems to have been written by Mr. Bake that he has not yet sent. Um, it's addressed to his wife and it says that, you know, it's begging him, don't leave me quite yet. I'm going to have all the money troubles worked out soon. Just give me a little more time. Don't run to your mothers with the kids sort of thing. Ost is shaking his head. I ought to arrest him right now. However, we are still missing something of great importance. What's that? Our prize. Oh, right. The rubies. Yes. Still. They are the thing. Mr. Smoke or Baker, or whatever his name is, just rose to the top of my list. Each and every one of these people have a reason to have taken the rubies. But for perhaps Stuart, they all seem intelligent enough not to do it when they'll be trapped in the building. But still, let us away to the um, shining ridiculousness <laughs> and uh, consider while we wait for our host. You head back downstairs. Oh, says, are you sure you don't want to search any of the rooms downstairs? Well, what rooms are downstairs? The drawing room, the parlor, the kitchen. Oh, I have another map. Hold I haven't on. talked about them a lot. Hold on, I have another map. The billiard room, the conservatory, the lounge, the library, the ballroom. I've always wondered how accurate those are. Like, if I use, like... What do you mean? Like, is, is that is there a real mansion that uses all those... Like if those I were, rooms? Yeah, like, if I were being really lazy, could I just use a clue board as a, as a map? I fail to see why not. I mean, all of those rooms would be in a building. Okay. All right, so uh, the lower floor... There's, there's there is the drawing room and the parlor, which are across from each other in the entryway. And then there are three rooms in the back. There's the study, the kitchen, the dining hall, and all of that looks out onto a terrace. Interesting. Been in the kitchen recently. Um, 
Let's wander from the study through but the kitchen to the dining did room. Did you investigate the kitchen? I did not. That's why we're starting with the study and working our way across all three. Okay. You go into the study. Uh, the study seems to be set up with a science kit spread out across the main table. Um, you find there's a box of a very expensive, it says science for kids with a four exclamation points and has been set up very meticulously. There seems to be several other toys set up in the study that have not really been touched. Um, well, I'm not going to leave that untouched. I'm going to poke. What kind of science are we looking at? Uh, okay. Perception one purple. One success to advantage. Okay, um, the science kit here seems to be a junior Bunsen burner kit. Um, and you can see there's a little small booklet with a bunch of different experiments in it. Again, it's like for kids. Um, you're not really sure why it's here, but you do notice that while a lot of it has been untouched, so it looks like somebody set it up as of expecting someone to use it, there does seem to be a small crucible. I think that's the right term. Um, Someone has used the Bunsen burner to melt something in like a small metal pan. And uh, examining the pan closely, you can see there is seems to be a trace amount of melted gold on the bottom. All right. Um, I will make a note of that in my handy dandy notebook. Melted gold added to the court record. Ding, ding. Uh, to advantage, anything else of interest? Um, Does the study look like it's been used beyond that? Like... Is this a room that gets a lot of use, or is this I think somewhere is, somebody came because it doesn't get use? So, this is what, okay, here's here's what I will say. Okay, with two advantages, that's what you can figure out. There's a note on there that says, um, to Wally from Grandpa. And having read two of Walter Poach's notes, you realize that this was set up perhaps for one of his grandchildren who was supposed to come to Thanksgiving and is not here. So it's kind of sad a little bit. Um, so the study looks packed up as if like he would normally use it, but you can see a lot of things have been pushed aside in order to make room for all the toys and things on the, on the ground so that he could use it as a playroom, essentially. All right. To the kitchen. All right. You were back also in the kitchen. i see if there's a little bit of a snack somewhere I can grab. Okay. Where in the kitchen would you like to look? Or do you want to just roll a general search for the whole kitchen? That's a lot. I'd like to start with the... Pots and pans, and then move into the pantry. All right. Roll. How difficult? One purple. I mean, they're just, they're just pots and pans. I think it's fine. One purple is fine. An advantage. Nope. Looks all okay to you. Um, your advantage is really like, you don't really find anything, but you also don't feel like there's anything missing. There are no clues here. Yeah. Um, pantry is two purple. Two advantage. It's a big pantry. I mean, it's a mansion, right? And so there's ingredients yeah. you've never even heard of in here. Um, what are you What are you looking for? Honestly, she's kind of playing through her mind the kind of things that you would use to make a mold. Ah. Um, uh, that's why she started with pots and pans, because, you know, if you have part of a crucible, but maybe not everything you need to pour things into or out of. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know. See anything that you could make something out of like that? Uh, your advantages are... I, I, it's like there's, there's so much going on in this... Um, what do you call it? The 
the pantry, it's hard to sort it all out. And so, but your advantages are like, you feel like this is not worth checking anymore. Okay. Can one advantage be for the pantry and the other advantage tells me if I need to dig deeper in the kitchen? Um, yeah, I would say the other advantage would be you do need to keep looking. Uh, she's going to stop and, and stand at the, the table for a second, just looking around the room, tapping your finger, thinking, uh, thinking through the process of the, I guess it would be casting where you create a mold and then you, you cast a mold, you pour into it. Ah, yes. Um, roll a knowledge or education check, please. Hey, hey, I actually have a rank in knowledge education. Now, if it's going to be too purple, if you can okay. tell me the title and plot of a Penny O'Brien book where this would have been relevant, um, that you can have a blue because, or actually I will give you an upgrade because it would have meant that you did your research on this. To be fair, canonically, I have discussed that her father is a tinker, but give me a second. Well, for a tinker, you can have a blue. Okay, I'm going to go Penny O'Brien and the uh, the loose gear. <laughs> in which a famed tinker is being sabotaged by a competitor in the competition to craft a centennial clock for the city. Um, and she needs to figure out why the pieces keep going missing before the clock strikes 12. Okay, so give yourself a um, uh, upgrade as well as a um, what do you call it? A blue. For I get the I get the me. Papa boost. Yes, I will take that. Uh, that is an uncancelled triumph. Very nearly not. Okay, um, you remember that when you were writing Penny O'Brien and the Lost Gear that there were multiple ways to make a mold out of something. The cheapest is to make a cheap plaster out of glue and flour. Uh-huh. See, that's why I went to the pantry. Mm-hmm. So going back to the pantry, I would say yeah. that there's a lot of flour here, but you're not really sure, like, you know, did somebody take a bunch of it? You don't know. There's just so much there. Um, but it is a triumph, so I would say, like, um, you start looking under the sink and you do find that there is a giant bottle of glue there for some reason. doesn't seem like a rational place to put a bottle of glue. I mean, who glues things in the kitchen, right? So you do feel like if someone was making a mold, this definitely probably happened. You're on the right track, Penny O'Brien. Someone made a mold of a key. Okay. Um, adding to the court log, adding the flower to the court log. It's, it's, picture of the flower tipped open and making a mess for no apparent reason <laughs> and the glue has like a little of just a squishy bit all around leaking out the cap again for no apparent reason yeah and the 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 brand is horsey glue and it's just a picture of a horse with x's in its eyes yeah there you go <laughs> um and penny does not explain any of this to ost <laughs> she's, she's just, just muttering to herself around. <laughs> yeah, muttering and making notes and yeah, and it, yeah, no, that makes sense. And then at one point she goes, the lost gear, and then <laughs> runs back <laughs> to the pantry, digs <laughs> out the glue from under the thing and goes, aha, and Ost is like, huh? And then puts it back <laughs> and moves on. All right. What do you else do you want to do? What's my last room? Well, you could go to the terrace or the dining hall. Well, let's go 
out to the terrace and then come in through the dining hall. Okay, the terrace is covered in snow. It has been snowing steadily for a long time now. You do see that there are sort of those shallow lumps that, you know, of footprints and indentations, but that could have been anybody at any time. I mean, you know, the servants do have to trudge in and out of this area in order to get to the servant's house, which you can see from here. Um, but if you want to do a more thorough search of the snow, it will be a perception roll. It's going to be two purple and a black because it is so cold out here. Is it still actively snowing? Yes, but not super heavily. And I this, I am a person who has not spent a lot of time in snow. Um, but I would say it's sort of a gentle snow. That's like, it's going to be a few inches in, in, in some time, but not like a blizzard. So the, the blizzard itself has died down, but it's still coming down. Yeah, there's still no one, no way anybody's getting out of here anytime soon. Okay, and then is um is it windy? Not particularly. Okay, just trying to figure out if I can gauge how recent things were since we know things have been going on mm. with um yeah. Mama Poach a while. Oh, looks around and goes, I'm going to have to start digging, aren't I? This seems quite probable, Detective. Or officer. Uh, <laughs> so he starts shoveling away with his hands. Well, I guess he could probably get not, a shovel. No, I was about to say, not, not just yet, but... All right, uh, what's my difficulty? Two purple, one black. Three advantage. Oh, yeah. The purples did not show up, but I still fail. Oh, that's a weird roll. That's a weird result for a search. You're welcome. Um, what are you looking for? Uh, as stated, she's looking to see if there are more recent footprints or signs of recent activity since for at least the past, I'm guessing, 45 minutes to an hour or so has been like all of the, the servants should be upstairs, basically. Okay. Right. All right. So you're going to fail in finding that information. You can't tell. It's too, the, the snow is too difficult to, to sort out, that out. Um. Especially Ost is like, you know, shuffling snow around and then you realize like, oh, you probably, he started right where you were looking and now I'm like, you can't mm -hmm. really tell. Um, but while he's shuffling things around, a weird object falls by your feet. Um, I'm not, roll a knowledge, three purple. Just generic knowledge? Uh, yeah, or education, I guess, but. Three purple, a green and a yellow? That seems fair. Now that seems fair. Describe it for me, for my failure. Um, it looks like two. So I'm going to use the word so you understand, but but Penny does not have this word come to mind. It's two carabiners, and they're like hooked together with some kind of strap. We have no idea what the heck it is. So it's a strap with hooks on it. Yeah. Okay. What kind of strap? Like a belt or like a rope? Yeah, like a belt. It's made hmm. of leather. Uh, Ost? Uh, yeah. Any clues? She holds it up. He squints at it. Is that like a thing for a horse? I wondered much the same, but I'm not sure. He looks around. I mean, no horses around here. Poach doesn't keep Certainly any. not. Oh, really? Well, I don't see any stables, he says, looking around. Hmm? And I've never heard of the old man having any. Um, I will sequester the mysterious object about my person. And continue on. All right. Into the dining hall. 
you can see um, there's a very large banquet table and um, all of the formal wear has been set out, not for serving, but you can tell the servants have set it out in preparation to, you know, make sure the good china is ready to go for the upcoming Thanksgiving festivities. So plates are stacked and the flatware is all out. You can see there's some materials and rags for shining, that kind of thing. It's How many all, plates are, places are set? Uh, none. They're not set up. Like all the plates are oh, out. Oh, it's and just stacked. like stacks of stuff. Yeah, and all the serving dishes are out too. Like that, they're all getting prepped. Okay, I shall do some snooping in here. All right, roll me in knowledge. Fancy stuff. Society. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And again, if you can come up with a Penny O'Brien book where. Uh, fancy place settings would have been important. You get an upgrade. That one's easy. That is going to be Penny O'Brien and the Rising Star. The story <laughs> of a would-be heiress trying to get a place in society when she is but a lowly actress and somebody tries to poison her. Ooh, sounds like a good book. All right, so you get an upgrade. It's uh, too purple. Dice have stopped being kind to me, but I got a success. <laughs> All right. Um, I thought you had it. Oh, you have you had one in education, huh? Mm-hmm. Oh, I see. Okay. Um, yeah. So you're looking at it, and something seems wrong, and you kind of scan your eyes over it again, and then you start thinking about the rising star and that long banquet description you had of um, you know every single object that's supposed to be on the table, and you realize the gravy boat's missing. Out of curiosity, what is the color of the materials involved in here? Of like the serving materials? Mm -hmm. Is it just silver? Gold. All right. Nonchalant-like, I start heading back to the lounge, parlor, place, Upon your Yeah. When you return to the parlor, you see Mr. Poach is waiting for you. Uh, Mr. Bryan, I'm hoping that you've come here with some good news. Mr. Poach, can you do me one quick favor? Uh, certainly. Where is the key for the lock? He reaches up to his breast pocket and pulls it out. Is this where you always keep it? Well, of course. Where else would I keep it? I believe you produced it from your back pocket earlier this evening. He frowns. Oh, that's right. I did. That's weird. I don't remember putting it there. How is your mother? Ah, see, the fever seems to have broken for now. Oh, this is good. I was hoping to get to meet her while I was visiting. But if... She is unwell. I obviously should not. And your staff, they've been helping you? Well, yes, of course, except for Brian, who's been keeping an eye on our vagrant. I have seen him ever present, yes. Um, Miss Fry and is it Mr. Boyle are the only other two? And Mrs. Bray is the housekeeper. Mm, I do not believe I've had the pleasure of meeting her. And they're with you at all times. Yes, yes, of course. I, there, there's no way any of them stole these gems. Have they been sent anywhere? And has anybody else left the house? No, 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 not at all. Has there been a time when you've been not aware of the location of the key in your pocket? He shrugs. I don't know. I just, every time I change clothes, I move it from one po- breast pocket to the other. And when you're saying breast pocket, Chris, is he like, is it his jacket or is it his shirt? Shirt. Okay. And he's not trying to lie to me because otherwise you'd have to make the stupid roll. Yep. I would like to make a perception check about his person while I think, because I can't think of anything else directly to do. Okay. Um, 
Well, as you do that, Mr. Boyle comes rushing down the stairs, uh, begging your pardon, both of you. Uh, it's Mrs. Poach. Yes, yes, Boyle, what is it? It's, uh, she seems to be very insistent upon uh, seeing Miss O'Brien. Oh, goodness. Well, I, I'm sorry. I don't really mean to put you out like this, Miss O'Brien, but my mother can be a bit headstrong. Would, would you mind making a brief appearance? I know we have important matters to attend to here, but... Certainly. As she is feeling up to it, I will make my appearance. So you go up. And, um, you know, she's a, an older woman in her, you know, 70s, 80s. And she has a kerchief on. She's in a very nice bed. And, you know, she looks a little ill, but is in better spirits. She's sipping on some water. There seems to be soup around. And she brightens up as you walk in. Ah, Miss. Is there color to her cheeks? Yes. Yeah, she's not in any. She seems to be looking pretty well. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Miss O'Brien, oh, it's a, such a pleasure to meet you. Please don't come any closer. I don't want to give you what I have. It's dreadful. To be sure, with all of the fuss, one would think that you were at death's door, and yet here you are with rosy cheeks like a schoolgirl in her prime. <laughs> I knew I would love you, and as I told these, I wish they would stop dottering over me. Mrs. Brace, certainly. You've given me three of your special soups by now. If they were going to cure me, it would have done so. I'm sorry, Mrs. Poach. I just want to make... Oh, go make sure somewhere else. Off with you. So Mrs. Brace and Mrs. Fry leave. Um, it's just you and her and Oats is waiting outside. Um, is there a, a door out towards the terrace? In this like, room? Like, does she have a porch? Yeah. Uh, Yes. And I'm going to do this, because I think I probably should have mentioned this earlier. I'm going to give you back a uh, upgrade point, of a light mm -hmm. point. I should mention that all of the north rooms, so Trixie's and... Wait, where's my map? Is that smoke? Yeah, and smoke both have... And the grandmothers all have ter like private terrace balconies that look over the terrace below. I would like to take a gander about the room as I approach, but not too closely. What are you looking for? Uh, signs of hurried entrances, exits, outerwear shed. You do not see anything like that. Um, and as you're kind of scanning about the room, she says, Well, I am such a huge fan of your work, Miss O'Brien. The way that you construct mysteries is just delightful. The characters are so realistic and so alive, and yet you just provide enough clues that those of us cunning enough can figure out the mystery a long time with your very clever protagonist. Alas, there are days when I do not find myself to feel as clever as the protagonist. Part of that is the artful uh, conception of characters from my very helpful cousin, and um, part of it is that all of these are written from real life, so inspired by... I like to think that there's enough reality that we can all find the answers if we need to. Yes, yes, and so I'm very excited. I'm hoping that this, our very own mystery, will become one of your stories. That doesn't seem unlikely, but for one thing. Oh, what's that? Well, as with every day, it gets darkest just before dawn, and I am at this moment feeling a bit of a loss. Oh, but that's why I've called you up here. Because, and this oh? is... 
This is the best part, because I'm really hoping that I'll get to be one of your characters, because I have very, very important information. Oh, do tell. She'll pull out a, a notebook in her pen. Well, as I understand it, every single individual needs to have three things in order to have committed a crime. The means, the motive, and the opportunity. Mm-hmm. But of course... Or a com combination thereof, but yes. In a situation like this, trying to figure out the opportunity, the time, the movements of people in the middle of the night has got to be almost impossible. Quite. Quite. Impossible for everyone but me. Ah, you have been awake all of these hours. Indeed. And there's something very unique about this room. She points up to the vents in the, in the top ceiling. You see, when... When Walter installed the central heating element, uh, they did a, a ghastly amount of wrecking of my home, and they installed a very complex ductwork system, and well, the idiots didn't think through all the acoustical aspects of it. So I can hear everybody walking all, all throughout the night. At first I was quite annoyed by it, but then I realized that if I concentrated hard enough, I could figure out where people were moving from one room to another. I thought it was a kind of a neat parlor trick. Plus, it helped me make sure no one was up to anything of ill gain. Nefarious? Yes. Making sure no one was up to anything up to nefarious in my home. I never thought it would actually be this useful. But I can tell you exactly where everyone was throughout the night. And believe me, there was quite a lot of walking around. Do you think I should draw a timeline or a map? Well, I can tell you, I can tell you the following things. Firstly, yourself went nowhere. You were sound asleep. But of course you would be. You are the protagonist after all. It wouldn't do for you to be a suspect, would it? That would be awkward. Although I will have you know that I did have the officer search my room as well as the others. Ah, very good. So I can tell you that all four of the others, Madame Asperge, Captain Smoke, my beloved Trixie and Stu, all moved about last night. Who would you like to hear about first? Trixie. Ah, yes, this is really unfortunate, and I didn't want to believe it of her. I I've, I thought the girl had a good heart, and was just down on her luck, you know? But Trixie's movements are rather simple. She left her room, went down to the parlor, and then returned to her room. Do you have an idea of when this was? Uh, I would say it's in the middle of the commotion. The middle? What began the commotion? Well... And this is what I mean when I say I have to keep an eye on things for the nefarious. I mean, I know Walter thinks himself as head of the house, but really, it's... I still have to mother him. You see, the first move movement of the time was Madame Asperge going to Walter's bedroom. Yes? And is there something we should know about the two of them? I don't know. But that's rather odd, don't you think? Middle of the night? That does seem unusual. Especially since wouldn't he have been with you or nearby? Indeed. So I'm not sure exactly why she was waiting for him so long. Anyway, while she was waiting for him, I heard Captain Smoke head down to the study. And then after that, Stu went to the kitchen. The boy was probably trying to stuff his gullet of my food. He seems to be having a rough patch. <laughs> his entire life has been a rough patch that we've been financing. Now, no matter. Anyway, after that, 
Walter left me, and I went over to talk to Madame Asperge in the master bedroom for a short time. And after that, Walter returned here, and Madame Asperge went down to the parlor. So it started with Asperge to Walter, where she waited. Mm-hmm. Walter went to talk and to him. Sewer smoke next. So it was Asperge to the master bedroom, then smoke to the study, stew to the kitchen. Then Walter went to the bedroom. Walter went back to Grandma's room, and Blanche went down to the parlor where the Shining Plenty is stored. Is is Blanche Asperge? Yes. Okay, sorry, you just keep using them interchangeably. My brain doesn't keep track. So, I mean, this sounds 100% like a, um... Oh, good lord, I can see it in my brain, and I cannot find it. The words. Oh, that's why my thumbnail's blue, because I stuck it in the fountain pen O-ring. Okay. Sorry. I was just trying to figure that out. Um, Murder on the Orient Express. It's where the brain was trying to go. Yeah, I've read that. I know that story. I don't know that story. Really? Yeah. I I mean, I would... Reading it is good. Um, I'd have to figure out which one I watched. I think there's one that was made in like the 90s that was really a good movie. Purportedly, the new one is kind of terrible, but that they say that about all of them. Oh, you're not you're not a fan of the Branaverse of Poirot. I've not actually seen anything with uh, with him, but I think I want to see at least one just because. I I watched him. the second one. It was pretty good, but is that Murder on the Nile? Yes. Because one... the new one is the something in Venice. Oh, they made a third one. Yeah, okay. came out I think this past summer. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. Yeah, there you go. Um, I'm sure they have very high filmography qualities, but I don't know anything about how true they are to the uh, content of the original stories. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe it's very murder on the Orient Express. I'm not sure. But um, so, yes. So Asperge went down to the parlor at that point. Then none of this tells us where the rubies are. Well, Presumably they were at the parlor, right? Yes. So now we have your first suspect actually going to the parlor prior to Trixie going down to the parlor. And then she tells you that Asperge returns to her room. Have the boys already returned to their room? No. Smoke is still in the study and Stu is still in the kitchen. Then she says, and Captain Smoke goes from the study briefly to the parlor, but he doesn't stay very long. He then goes back to his room, and at this point is when Trixie leaves her room, goes down to the parlor, and then returns. And then finally, Stu returns from the kitchen. So you see, unfortunately, as much as I love the dear girl, I I don't think there's any other ev- explanation. After all, why would Asperge and Smoke both go to the parlor and not report it missing? Certainly, if Asperge took it, then Smoke would have said something, and if Smoke something took it, then Trixie would have said something, don't you think? It depends on what benefits them. Chaos might benefit all. Especially if you have someone taking their time in one room, dealing with another, and then meeting on the way. I don't think any of them stood near each other or spoke at all. I'm very certain of that. Okay, so current thought. Asperge stole the key. Smoke started the thingy. Crucible. Stu made the mold. It's easy enough to drop a key from the second floor to the first. 
The key was eventually gotten into the parlor. Somebody used it. Somebody returned it. And that's if... Tell me, Miss Fry and Miss... Was it Braze? Uh-huh. Miss Braze and Mr. Boyle. Honestly, Chris, now that, you know, you went once you see the, the naming paradigm, it's really hard <laughs> to take them all seriously. <laughs> your, your servants, have they been here this whole evening? Oh, yes. As I said, dottering over me. They don't step out to get things? Well, if you're accusing them, dearie, then you're not much of a detective. No, I'm asking questions. Pulling at threads. Of course they've been going out to get things, but the, as I said, I can hear them all in here. They've always gone exactly where they said they've got, needed to go. And have come promptly back. What the heck is not Smoke's story? I guess he's just a creeper. Sorry, was it Thomas Bake? Yeah. Okay. Um, I would like to collect... Well, actually, no, I would like to go... Penny will, will take a couple more notes in her little book and kind of frown to herself, tapping on the different line, line items. Good Lord, can you tell that I work in a service industry? Um, tapping on the different lines and thinking to herself and say, if you'll excuse me, my lady, I, I do believe that you have cleared something up for me. Oh, excellent. When you write me, please make me uh, ten years younger and ravishingly beautiful. I think we can manage that. <laughs> Tell me, were you a fiery redhead or a sultry brunette? Oh, surprise me, dear. I want to know. Uh, I want to be surprised when I read it. Will do, my dear. She makes a note again in the notebook, glances up at the lady, makes another note. I will speak to you soon. So she hustles out, grabs Ost by the elbow and starts walking him down, looks down around the... um the open space in the base make sure to make sure that everybody's still kind of tucked away uh-huh yeah in um, the drawing room mm-hmm. and then um slips back to Stu's room to look and see if he has any um specific sporting gear or pictures of his accomplishments oh um no, it's not his room. Like, yeah, but it's his stuff, and he's been traveling, and he just did a, a, a impressive ascent. I mean, that's, descent. That's true. Would you like? A, would you like a like a picture for so you can present it in in court? Um, either that or like a magazine of, you know. Oh, okay, I know. Dandy's doing dandy stuff? You found, um, it's in the receipts. One of the things from his debt collector receipts is the, the, uh, package that he paid for to get, you know, travel and room and board to all his latest climbing expedition. Okay. Does that She will work? tuck that in her pocket, and then she will go back to Trixie's room and check the window or balcony doors, whatever they would have. Okay, uh, yeah. And over there, you see, um, what are you looking for? Evidence of entry or exit. So I'd be looking at not just the windows, but the snow in the area. Yeah, you do see that the snow here has been trod upon, and unlike the snow downstairs, it doesn't make sense that it would have been trod upon up here, including some brushed off the railing. My pen doesn't want to write. Okay. Um... She is now going to 
send um, send Ost to stand at Papa Poach's door. Uh huh. And she's gonna go down and stand below. Okay. Just to look up and see where we are, time like space spatially. Um, what are you trying to determine? Uh, literally, she's just thinking. And Leslie's thinking about somebody dropping a key to somebody below. Whether or not that's how it works, I don't know. But that's what she's doing. And then she stops and she shakes her head and looks around again. And then she beckons for Ost to follow. Ost is very confused at this point. He's like, have you figured something out or what are we doing? Um, she's going to back... Yeah. Yeah. She's going back to the study. Okay, you return to the study. Looking at the my first chemistry kit. Yep. Nodding to herself, muttering to herself, to the kitchen. He follows you to the kitchen. And she stops and she stands in the kitchen. And she looks annoyed. And he goes, uh, do you need the glue bottle again or? We've got the glue. We've got the flour. We have the mold, which means we have the key. But the key no longer matters. The key has been dealt with. So the question becomes, where are the rubies? It is really the only question. The only question we've been trying to answer this entire evening. And Ois looks around and goes, well, yeah, but we looked in everybody's belongings, so they're, they didn't keep them with them. They must have hid it somewhere in the house. That is indeed the point and the question. Why would they need to have been in this room this evening? He looks even more confused. You think they hid it in the kitchen? Now, cranberry sauce is a jam. Yes? Sure. So she she strides over to the pantry and throws the doors open and stares accusingly into the pantry. (laughs) There is a row of marmalade. There is a row of... I suppose this is jam and preserves. I've never really been sure which is which, but they're orange and purple. They're not cranberry. Well, of course, because according to Epicurious.com, freshly made sauce should be refrigerated. (laughs) Oh, yes, I suppose the wealthy do it differently, don't they? (laughs) She will go and she will throw up in the refrigerator and stare in the refrigerator accusingly. And you do see... Some of the preparations for the Thanksgiving banquet, um, and you do see a large bowl of cranberry sauce in a in a crystal bowl with a crystal lid. She opens it and she sticks a finger in. Yep. And uh, at first, it just feels like cran- cold cranberry sauce as your finger depresses in, and then you feel something hard. I fish out one of the hard bits. Yep. Cranberry ruby. This was quite well done, I will say. Annoying, but well done. And he goes, you figured it out, but but who put it there? She consults her notes to the lounge parlor. Parlor lounge. All right. So Hold on, let me get a D6 out and see how many moves it takes me to get there. <laughs> oh, do you want to use the secret passage? <laughs> From the conservatory to the lounge? <laughs> All right. You return to the lounge. You assemble the suspects. I rolled a two. It's going to take me a while. Oh, boy. Um, yes. Okay. Let's really sell Sorry, this I'll stop here. wrestling now. All right. You gather... Actually, uh-huh. can I meet with Ost... Not Ost, uh, with Poach first. Sure. I would like to have Poach meet me there. hmm And I would like to place the crystal cranberries... 
the crystal thing of cranberries back in the thing. Ah, okay. You found them. Well, that's, that's great news. Where did that wench hide them? An odd choice in phrasing, since she was not indeed the uh, actual culprit. What? But that's impossible. We, she had one of the gems. Are you so small-minded to think that there are those that would not frame another, especially when they know they're not wanted? He frowns, but he goes, okay, then who, who did it? Well, let us assemble the suspects, as it were, and we will discuss. So he unlocks the case, you put them back where they belong, and then you close the case again, correct? Yes. Okay. Brian leads everybody back in, everyone looking a little bit more awake. It's been a bit of time since they've been up, but now they're kind of feeling restless and agitated. You do note that um, Trixie has put her handcuffs back on. Does she still have the coffee cup in her hand, though? Yes. I feel like she's walking. She's got her one hand is holding the saucer. One hand is holding the, the coffee. Yeah, is that, yeah, that's exactly what it is. Uh, and, and everybody comes in and, and, and um, Stu is like, well, we're finally going to put all this situation to bed so I can get back to mine. I would love to do that. I just needed to address a couple of questions. Everyone. Stu. Yeah. What was it you were doing just so recently you were ascending or descending something? Yeah. Oh, well, you want to hear more about my climbing trip to the to the cliffs? I was actually wondering how you go about doing that. Do you free climb? I believe it's called bouldering. <laughs> no, 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 no. Bouldering and climbing are completely different. Believe me, climbing is much more difficult. It takes a lot more strength and courage and skill. In fact, uh, you know, I've been auto belaying myself lately. It's uh, not recommended for first timers. Extremely dangerous to self belay, but I got the skill to do it. Fascinating. I suppose it takes a specific kind of equipment. Well, sure. Okay. Um, would you say it takes something like this? Uh, everyone kind of looks around, and you can see a stricken face on on uh, Stu. And wow. as as I walk over to present it, I step away from the case so that you can see the crystal cran- the crystal thing of cranberry sauce. Oh, <gasps> it's back. Where did you find it? Who took it? Where was she hiding it? Stu, is this the kind of thing that you would use for climbing? Uh, and uh, say out a window he uh, attempts to uh, lie <laughs> triggering your auto lie defense mechanism uh, and he <laughs> rolls three failures in an advantage <laughs> goes, what's that advantage uh, the advantage is he is not going to throw up where he stands <laughs> he goes I- I've never seen that auto belay device in my life <laughs> Fascinating. You seem like such an intelligent young man, and yet you're going to insist upon lying. I'm I'm confused. What does that device have to do with anything? It is an excellent way to get around without being detected by this home's most ingenious security device. I didn't know there was a security device. It's more of a guard who has very little else to do at this time. Everyone looks confused. Stu does not look confused. He looks wary, though. Um, Poach frowns. What are you talking about? It seems that there were certain footsteps recorded by this security guard going to and fro throughout the evening. One coming from Stu's room to the kitchen. 
one coming from Trixie's room to the parlor. The odd thing is, Trixie was not in her room this evening. And then people gasp and look around. Well, then where was she? How is that possible? She's going to cast a, a glance over to Ost. Uh, she was actually with me. Sorry. Uh, we were together in the servants' quarters. Which is the more important detail. She was not in the building at the time of the theft. Well, then how could it be that the security guard had that, that someone going from Trixie's room? Because if you look at the way the house is laid out, the kitchen opens onto the terrace. An odd design choice, I feel. But it allows someone to leave through the kitchen, and if they are very strong and skilled, climb to the second floor, where they may then enter through any number of windows not properly secured against such a thing. Because how would that happen? That would be impossible, says Smoke, unless you were... Oh, I see. Someone like that who can climb and has that weird device can do it. Such is the case. But perhaps we should not be too quick to cast dispersions. I'm sure that everyone has their own reasons for being here. And Smoke um, kind of looks down at his feet and he goes, I'm, I'm not who I said I am. I'm not Captain Donovan Smoke. And Poach looks confused. What? What are you talking about? You, you serve with my son. No, sir, I... I didn't really. My name is Thomas Baker. I I was in the military, and I, I did meet your son at one point, but we were only stationed together briefly. And the brief time I knew him, he talked about that Donovan Smoke guy, Captain Smoke. But uh, truth is, Captain Smoke died in the war, too. Um, I had a, kind of a hard time of it coming home, so when I saw the article about your son's death in the newspaper, I thought, you wanted to use my son's death to get money out of me? At first, yes, but I don't know. I came to realize that you were a good man or your son was an excellent man. And I, to be honest, this was the last time I was going to visit you. I was going to disappear and that was going to be the end of it. I swear it. But the truth is, though, even if I wanted to steal those diamonds, how would I have gotten in this case? He points at the lock and the glass. Yeah, nice little theory, little Miss Bookworm. Even if I could have climbed up to that terrace, and believe me, I could. I could definitely do that. Not a matter of strength or skill. How would I have gotten into this case, huh? I dare say the easiest way to get through a lock is to use a key. But the only key is the ones that Mr. Poch has. Ah, but the funny thing about a physical key is that it can be made to be a copy. Some simple home-based alchemy to create a mold and if somebody just happened to have access to a science kit and some very easily melted metal probably could get away with making a molded uh, or a cast key pretty easily and then um Stu does one of those you know ace attorney character things where like he starts spasming me around <laughs> penny takes a half step back because they're not supposed to do this. <laughs> Penny's in the wrong system. <laughs> of course, it would have to be somebody that knows the grounds and the facility well. Somebody who knows where they might find something of such a soft metal, where they might find the tools they need to melt something and the ingredients for the mold. Somebody who's been here many times and is very, very familiar. You see... 
Poach is starting to put the the pieces together and he clenches his fist and goes, you dirty little snot. No wonder the key was in the wrong spot. You took my key. What? That doesn't explain how... That doesn't explain anything. That doesn't explain how the gem ended up in Miss Rutabaga's place. Did you miss the climbing aspect? You took the gems, you climb, you leave a thing, you keep going. But, but you searched my stuff. Uh, I didn't have the gems. Were you keeping a crystal carafe of cranberry sauce in your bags? B- no, but... Yes, because apparently cranberry sauce is kept refrigerated when it is fresh. Well, of course, everybody knows that. Yes, everybody above a certain pay grade. <laughs> the convenient thing is it's not Thanksgiving yet. So the cranberry sauce is tucked away, out of sight, and ignored until it is time for the feast. The actual feast. Safely hidden inside are the gems. I see. So he hid the the actual cranberry jewels within the actual cranberry sauce in the refrigerator. A testament to your work, I'm sure. Oh, indeed it is. I could so seamlessly blend in with the rest of it. I should write this down. Well, Stu, what do you have to say for yourself? He growls and goes, this is ridiculous. I can't believe I'm having to defend myself over all this nonsense. After you cut me off and then you spend a fortune on making your stupid turkey sculpture. I mean, he makes a a face that says she definitely also thinks it's stupid. (laughs) Do you understand how much money you have, how much ridiculous wealth you you have here? But to make such a thing is an insult to those of us that have no money. Oh, you stupid boy. You've been given everything, every opportunity, every every chance that a person could have. Don't tell me that you can't make your way in the world. If you can't make your way in the world, it's because you're an idiot, not because the life has dealt you a hard hand. You know nothing of real poverty, real hardship. Oh, boo-hoo-hoo, I won't fund your climbing trips or your vacations or your yachts or your horse racing. I see I tried to cut you off to teach you to become a man, but obviously did the opposite. Taught you to become a criminal. And in the process, you tried to frame an innocent young woman. And he turns to Trixie and goes, Miss Rutabaga, I apologize, not only for accusing you, but also for judging you incorrectly. She nods. No commentary, but it's in there. Uh, she nods. Roll a perception with two blues, please. One purple. Two success advantage. The handcuffs are gone off of her wrists and uh, seem to be on Stu's wrists now. <laughs> very nice. Very nice. What the? Uh, hey, when did these get here? Stu Halpert, you have the right to remain silent. Anything you say can and will be used against you in a court of law. And uh, O starts taking him away. This is ridiculous. None of this will hold up in court. I'll get out of this. You'll see me again. And O's goes, good luck affording a decent lawyer. Ouch. Well, Miss O'Brien, it seems uh, you've lived up to the legend. That's the best I can do these days. I don't know how to repay you, uh, if there's anything I can do, anything at all. I would say work with those in need. The Thanksgiving feast that you've made for the eyes will only go so far, when so many others need their bellies filled. Yes, yes, you're right. And you know what? That would come across great with the PR. You know what? I'm going to look into that. I'm going to, we're going to do a 
Charity feast for the needy. Yeah, you know what? That's an excellent idea. But are you sure there's nothing else more specific you want me to do? And then in true Ace Attorney fashion, the court record appears <laughs> for you to pick an object. Um, and there is one object is, of course, Trixie Rutabaga's medical bills. I can think of somebody who needs some specific help. And then I will present. Uh, and he looks at that. It was, what is this? I'm, I don't understand. Who's Rebecca Parsnip? That's my mother. I know that I told Robert that she was dead, but she isn't. She's just very sick. Oh, I see. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. Uh, well, listen, uh, how about how about this? How about I take care of your mother's medical bills and uh, we forget all the false accusation stuff? I think I can live with that, she says. And of course, I'll still be working for your mother for as long as she will have me. I guess I can live with that as well. <laughs> Excellent. And uh, Trixie walks over to you and says, Thank you so much for believing in me and uncovering the truth. It's the best I could do as a humble author. She looks chagrined. I didn't really mean any of those things. I'm glad that you have a new future. If there's ever any way I can repay you, please let me know. Um, I will exchange contact information via the clever means of a business calling card. Very nice. The camera pulls back through the, the gorgeous poached manor out into the falling snow and into the beautiful Thanksgiving countryside as we reach the end of the episode. And you hear a quiet voice doing the over, doing a, a narration of it was the worst blizzard the county had seen at Thanksgiving in many years. <laughs> Stranding weary travelers unexpectedly at a grand mansion. You did it! No, I didn't, but you let me play, so I'm still happy about you it. You solved the mystery all by yourself with no help at all. Uh, you need to make a roll for that. Oh yeah, that's because you're you're clearly trying to deceive me. <laughs> no, it's okay. I'm gonna I'm I'm definitely going to pull a taskmaster and edit out the part where I told you. <laughs> so you'll look really cool, and then at the end I'm gonna edit it back in. <laughs> oh no, one hundred percent. If you don't edit it back in, I'm just gonna tell everybody that I suck. I think it'll be funnier. It's like, wow, Leslie figured it out, and then it'll be like, oh, actually, but. So they all need the money. They all have, if they work together, means and opportunity. I'm a little disappointed that it wasn't the grandma trying to mix things up. Because, <laughs> I mean, grandma using a carabiner to drop out of the second floor terrace to the first floor is just a lot of fun to picture. But I think we've reached the point of uh, Penny is going to need to stop and talk to Ost to get the where to next. Because my brain is just slogging in circles. Because even if this is accurate, I have no way to prove it. Okay. Let me... Let me... Without doing the Hercule Poirot of summoning everybody to the library and then having them all jump me and beat me to death. Right. This is... Let me give you a little... Let me make this a little easier. By this all means. This is... My love. This was designed with Ace Attorney rules. 
So, rule one of Ace Attorney for the majority of the time, your defendant is not guilty. Yes, so, that would be my assumption. Right, so based on that, we can eliminate Trixie, right? Which means that mm -hmm. someone has to have framed her. Yes, because somebody put... So I think that's the, ruby the piece. In her room. Right, that's the piece you haven't really figured out yet. Is how did that happen? If no one's gone to Trixie's room, according to the to the pattern that Grandma just laid out, and there's one piece of evidence that you don't really know how it works yet. And so, like, I remember when I get stuck in Ace Attorney things, it's always like, okay, there's something in the court record I've been looking at that I'm not looking at correctly. Man, that's infuriating about those games. Well, so then the easy assumption would be, or that easy, the an, an assumption to make would be that um, somebody snuck out of the window, which would be smoke, into Trixie's room because those both face Terrace. But is that the only way to get to the Terrace? That's true. Stu went into the kitchen. And remember, think about means. Who has the ability to do these things? See, that? that is what you needed to say to me because he's the climber. And he was talking about the climbing, and now there's a... Leslie can parse together the, the carabiners. <laughs> Penny, maybe less so. I hate you. You did this very well. <laughs> and we know that Trixie was apparently hanging out with Ost. We don't know where they were hanging out. That would be good to know. Oh, he said that. They were at the, the servants' quarters. Okay. He did say that? Yes. I didn't remember that. Okay. Okay. However... Having the theory does not provide the evidence. Right. So... There's only one piece of this puzzle you... There's one more piece of the puzzle you haven't figured out. Well, where, there's the missing gravy boat. But where where are the gems? Well, yes, that is the problem. Just think it through, Leslie. You, you got this. You got this. You have so much faith in me. No, you, and you got shouldn't. this. Do you remember think about how much it. screaming I did at you when you started me on those stupid games? Think about it. What are they? Your cranberries. God, I was in the pantry. You don't put cranberry sauce in a pantry, Leslie. Cranberry sauce, that's right, it's not cranberries. You don't put them in a gravy boat either. You put cranberry sauce in a in the pantry. No, you don't. It's a jam. Okay, look, I've never seen it in a pantry. <laughs> okay, where do you see it? In the refrigerator? Did you check the refrigerator? I did not check the refrigerator because I was thinking in a time that doesn't necessarily have refrigerators as regular pieces. But you make a valid point, sir. I think I hate I, you. I, I really, and I, I'll have to go back to the recording, but I'm pretty sure I very intentionally mentioned a refrigerator the first time you went in. I feel like you did. <laughs> and now I'm just being bitter about it. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, so I'm, I'm going to... God, I have no idea. Well, there's there's only one person that went to the kitchen. You say that? No, I'm I'm kidding. I'm yeah. kidding. I promise. <laughs> now the question becomes how to prove it, Chris. So, um, she's going to walk walk me through the the, the sequence of events. How did he do it? How did he do what? Well, in order to get to the he has to have done two things at the same time. He has to have stolen the rubies and framed Trixie for them, right? So first he had to make the key. What did he make the key out of? In theory, gold, which would be the gravy boat. Right, so he took the gravy boat, melted down the key, or melted that down to make the key, which he stole at some point, right? Yeah. And the evidence for that is? Well, the crucible. 
Right. And also, and also, you know, he stole the key because the key was no longer in the correct pocket. Okay. Right. And then you also saw the. I thought I was missing something else. I'm like. No. And then there's the gold flex in the lock, right? Yes. Because a key made out of gold would be terrible. Probably only usable once. Gold is way too malleable to to be a functional key. (laughs) So in order to make, in order to frame Trixie, he has to, and assuming he knows his grandmother can hear all the motions, he has to do what? He has to provide himself an alibi while making sure Trixie seems to be the one to do it, right? And so the pattern goes like this. Stu goes down to the kitchen. From the kitchen, he goes where? Well, to Trixie. Right. So he goes to the terrace, climbs up from the terrace to, to the balcony, right? Then goes yeah, from then Trixie. From- because remember, Trixie was never there, but Grandma heard Trixie move from yeah, her heard room Trixie to the parlor. Leave, but Trixie went to the parlor. Right. But that wasn't Trixie. It was Stu. It was Stu, yes, but... So he goes down at the same... Goes down to the parlor, opens the box, takes the gems, goes back up to Trixie's room, leaves one behind, repels back down the rope, and then goes from the kitchen, puts the rest of the gems in the cranberry sauce, and then goes back to his room. Okay, I think I missed writing down a step. Probably. If I had had more time, I would have typed all this out for you and given it you in document form because... You don't have an actual court record to go back through and look. Honestly, that probably would have really helped me because as previously mentioned, I'm a very visual thinker. No, so I know. I, I, that was just... Having like a PowerPoint would have made this perfect for me. Yeah. I mean, I ha- I literally have it all written down by hand. Like I, I have all the path marks and stuff. In fact, you can kind of see it at the bottom of the map of the second floor. You could still see where it says paths. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah. And so like, I have it all, all charted out, but I, I didn't have it charted out in a way that would make sense to you. So I, I didn't send it to you. Well. Okay. So now really all that's left is the grand presentation of the, of the accused. So do you want to summon everybody for the final accusation? Before I do that, is it a murder on the Orient Express? Is my brain still gra- grasping at multiple straws? No, it's just two. It's just two. It is just two. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's the other problem with reading a bunch of murder mysteries growing up is you see different plots everywhere and how they fit into different things. Yeah. Which is why it's so easy to say, okay, well, this makes sense, but you could also make this make sense. Right. Or this. And then when you're going on not enough sleep after a really long day or two, yeah. um, I think it there, all looks a lot friendlier. There was also... A couple of clues you didn't quite get to on the motive side that would have made it clearer that who had the biggest motive. Like you did find the surface level, which was like, yeah, everyone had a motive. But had you dug a little bit deeper, you would have found that not everybody had the same level of motive. Like ultimately, Asperge was was unhappy about being underpaid, but she decided as she kind of I tried to allude to it in your conversation that. She's going to try to leverage the publicity, and so she's willing to take the pay cut in order to get the publicity. And so yeah, she had motive, but not that much motive. And then if you had gone back to Smoke to confront him about him not being Smoke, he would have admitted that, yes, initially he was trying to scam him out of a bunch of money, but the more time he spent with him, the more guilty he felt about it. And ultimately just wanted to kind of spend this last holiday with them and the family, and then he was going to disappear so that, that was the other mechanism I had in place to try to shove you towards Stu. <laughs> I suppose nope, that's make, legit. I suppose making him really obnoxious 
probably went in the opposite direction because it would probably he probably seemed too obvious of a of a villain. It, it, but it, it bounces back to the it. Basically, I kind of always wanted it to be Stu for one very specific reason. Mm-hmm. It seems dumb for anybody else to do it at this time. Mm. And he's the only one dumb enough to try it. No, not so much that as like everybody else would need to be able to get out. Mm. Whereas he kind of has more leeway to come and go. So, I mean, like Trixie would be stupid to do this now because she's literally trapped there and she literally has a cushy job. Right. A spare job's not as cushy as you want to think it is, but you know, she's, she's got up and coming. You don't want to do that before you've already gotten out of the relationship, what you want. Right. Kind of same goes for smoke. Whereas if nephew pins it on somebody else and makes it look good, he can come back. Mm-hmm. So that's that's where I that, that's another thing. And and like I said, none of them like the ones that were targeted or the one specifically Trixie, she doesn't seem stupid. Right. And that would have been a stupid thing to do. You don't steal the gems when you're going to be staying another night. You steal the gems and then you disappear. And from what we were talking about with her, seems like she probably could have done that. Right. All that to say. Oh, boy. So there was one final mystery, and that, of course, is who is Trixie Rutabaga? Uh, well, apparently her last name's Parsnip. Do you, do you know what a rutabaga is? I believe it's a type of root vegetable. Yes, a type of root vegetable that scientists believe is a combination of a parsnip and a cabbage. I hate you so much. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, yeah, you know, I didn't set out to, I didn't set out to create the illegitimate child of cabbage <laughs> when I made this, but, but what ended up happening was I said the word rutabaga to one of my kids, like, and I think it was like, I want to throw a rutabaga at you or something like that. Oh no, we were at the, we were at the grocery store. I said, go grab a rutabaga. That's a radish. <laughs> and she, Sorry. And they went, what's a rutabaga? I went, it's a vegetable. And then I, I was like, it's kind of funny how rutabaga, or, and, and then I think my son was like, well, what kind of vegetable? I think I've, I said, it's a type of cabbage, I think. Of course, anytime I say cabbage, I think of one of two things. Cabbages, uh, cabbages. Oh no, not that one. Oh. I, I think of one of two things. Either my cabbages. Legit. Or cabbage. <laughs> Oh, when I thought cabbage, I went, I wonder, is a rutabaga a cabbage? And then I looked it up and it said a rutabaga is believed to be an ancient cross between a parsnip and a cabbage. And I went, well, now that's a thing, especially since I was already naming my characters food things. <laughs> and it just fell into place. Yes, in the game prep for this, that I have a file called a list of Thanksgiving words, <laughs> which uh, thank you to the, the members of the Discord who contributed their favorite Thanksgiving foods to help me remember what Thanksgiving food is. Because personally, I don't really like Thanksgiving food, so this is not a I mean, thing. Thanksgiving I'm... food is any food that you eat on Thanksgiving, really. That's what I say, but you know, other people 
They don't. They don't get. There it. are American Thanksgiving staples. That's true. Some of them are travesties, like stuffing. Stuffing is a travesty. You heard it here first, folks. I'm already hated for other things. I might as well just double down. <laughs> I don't eat, don't eat stuffing, and I don't eat green bean casserole, and I don't eat scalloped potatoes. No, wait, you don't eat scalloped potatoes? I don't. That's... I don't. They're weird, and they gross me out. Wait, hold on. It might just be one of those childhood traumas from my grandmother's scalloped potatoes. I could not tell you, but... That's one of the few no. things I will eat at a Thanksgiving meal. Pretty much any no, of the I, potatoes, I will eat the potatoes. I, I like mashed potatoes for Thanksgiving. They're favorite. Well, and there you turkey. go, folks. And now I'm hungry. Um, and it's almost two in the morning, so eating is not really a good plan. <laughs> Anything, uh, any questions you had lingering from this little adventure? What was my most painful misinterpretation of one of your clues? Um... No, I, you know, you did good. Honestly, you did really good. Um, I feel that I should have railroaded you a little earlier. That, because once we got into like the pre-established clues I'd built up, it started to mm -hmm. pick up, right? I should have sort of pushed you in that direction earlier. Um, so I really, I, I take the blame for the pacing problem. Is I was not a, I was not a good GM in that. You can sense. probably cut some of it out. No, it's content. <laughs> Almighty mighty content. This, this is going to be a two-parter. It'll be the first part will probably go up on Wednesday, and you're hearing part two right now, which is probably going up on Thursday. And that's actually kind of nice because, as I as I always say, I like to have content over Thanksgiving because a lot of people don't generate it then, and not everybody loves to think about Thanksgiving and all that time, or they're doing a lot of traveling. So I always like to have stuff out. So thank you, Leslie. Yeah. For helping I, out. I listen to your your Thanksgiving content while I'm doing dishes on Thanksgiving. So, see, there you go. And I just want to say, in case anybody wants to point out the consistency or inconsistency that Penny was congested and then she was not, Penny had a nap, so she had a break from traveling and then she stopped being congested. That was a conscious choice. Ooh, look at that. See, like uh, some some verisimilitude in in allergy production. <laughs> Depending on who you're talking to, that might have made it worse. But, Chris, that was a delightful mess. Thank you for uh, leading me on that. I don't even know what to call it. Well, thank you for, mm -hmm. for coming along. And I'm sure we will see Penny O'Brien again in the future. But until then, uh, does Penny O'Brien have a catchphrase in the books? I don't think she would want to have a catchphrase in the books. But I'm sure her, her cousin would have made her put one in there. However, I could not tell you what it is at this moment. Clear eyes, uh, strong hearts, solve mysteries. Oh my gosh, that does sound about right. And all of the covers would look like romance covers. <laughs> okay, bye, end of episode. Good night. P.S. Spoilers. Murder on the Orient Express. Everybody did it. Oh, it's kind of a um, Caesar Murray, uh, Caesar murdered on the steps kind of thing, but sneaky like. Oh. Feel free to cut this out. That was for your own edification, because I honestly could not think that you hadn't culturally osmosed it at some point, but I guess you hadn't. Nope. <laughs>
I don't know why I just took that as as matter of fact, but my family's always been kind of into mysteries, so I just kind of took well, that as matter of fact. Me too. That the so I'm to surprised that. that I haven't heard that. I I am too. I mean, it's like a big deal kind of reference for again for murder mysteries. So it's a big deal reference for a specific niche of culture. But so you have tidally set this up. I have no idea if I'm anywhere near near the nail. But that's assuming that she is is on the up and up, and I'm not I'm not hearing you make any rolls. That's the best I have. Well, now my assumption would be, and I'm not saying this one way or the other, but just to cl- make sure we're super clear, this would be only if someone was intentionally deceiving you, correct? Yes. So if they believe they were telling the truth, this wouldn't trigger anything. Mm-hmm. Okay. But if she's still not intentionally deceiving me, that means one of my other theories is off the table. So, because one of the other theories was that she was part of the process for one reason or another. Ah, yes. Now, I think the people that matter will already know that I'm I'm dense enough that this was a a handheld excursion. That's okay. But that's okay. Um, So, key... I think I think the thing is, is that you're assuming the key was melted at the same time, and I would put it no, to you. No, not melted, but like you know, molded, right? Oh, made. Yeah, yeah. I I would put it to you that I think the key would have to have been made well in advance. Eh, but but I could see how how I accidentally did align spatially that that would that your theory does actually make a lot of sense. <laughs> Thank you. And there's because plenty of snow. She to cool goes it down. over. She goes over because Asperge goes to the parlor where she could have left the key, mm-hmm. right? And Smoke goes to the parlor afterward, could have picked the key up. See, I think the problem is since I you gave me an option of starting with someone, oh, I right. started in the middle of things, so I started writing things down in the wrong order. Right. No, but it does work. Like you're, it does fit the facts that I wrote down. I didn't think of an so. alternative viewpoint, which is actually, I mean, that's one of those weird, interesting conversations I think people have about these things. And something I was really tempted to do, which was that there was a version of this where I said, no matter what Leslie picks, she's right, because it's not the, the game. The game is not. Can Leslie figure out this mystery I wrote in an afternoon? The game, the, the game is Penny O'Brien solves a mystery. So Penny O'Brien has to succeed for the story to be good. And the easiest way to do that is just make anything you chose. The Yes, you're correct. Yeah, but that's never as satisfying. Yeah, it's one of those. And I, I know like people have, have, have described it as like the false choice narrative in, in role-playing games. Like if you give players, there's a fork in the road. And the one to the left, there's an encounter with the bear. And the one to the right, there's nothing. Some GMs would say like, well, no matter what you pick, I'm going to do the bear because the bear is more interesting. And then it's like, well, okay, but then why did you give me the choice to begin with? <laughs> right? Versus like, yeah. well, if I give you a legitimate choice, then you might pick something that is kind of boring and unsatisfying. Yeah, no, that's that's a, a conversation that I've seen happen at a lot of um, GM discussions, basically. Right. It's 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 when when do you take away the agency to maneuver the story into position versus when do you let the, the characters actually decide? Yeah, even if the decisions are dumb <laughs> or 
not what you had planned. Mm -hmm. And I get that, that discussion, but you know, and when you read a lot about like, how do you structure a mystery RP? Like it's so hard because you could, you're, unless you really lay down the clues, this exact thing happens where you end up with like, Oh, well, but this set of this theory also matches the facts you gave me. Mm -hmm. And it's not like, and that's not willy nilly. Like that's actually a really like keen observation on your part of like, Oh yeah, the way I've positioned it actually could be interpreted that way. And I could see myself being like, well, you could just make it that way, but Oh, well, this will be, I'm going to tag all this at the end as the post blooper thing that people can listen to. But I do think that this sort of stuff is interesting um, because it's not writing a mystery is difficult already. And then putting in the variable of a human being coming up with their own ideas and interpretations. is well, yeah, it's, it's, it's always going to be that. And it's, it's also the fact that, you know, it's, it's two real human beings with completely different brain spaces working from in a way, opposite directions, because we're trying to meet in the middle. Right. But the problem is we're meeting in the middle of two ever shrinking, like, triangles. So we're meeting at the tips of the triangles, and sometimes that just doesn't align. Yeah, and I think that's that was another thing I was struggling with, was like, do I tell you that we're playing by Phoenix Wright rules? Like, that this is an Ace Attorney-style mystery, that your your client is innocent, like, and that when I tell you somebody's innocent, you don't have to doubt that. But then it's like, ugh. I kind of always assumed that. Yeah. Only because like, just, just because it's you. I also, because me. I personally in a murder mystery or any mystery get really annoyed when someone told me that it was, that this person was believable and it's like, Oh, trick question. They actually weren't. I don't know. I, I feel like sometimes you have to tell me like, who the suspects are because I want I like murder mysteries or, or mysteries that give me a fair chance at solving it which is why I don't like some Holmes mysteries because they don't oh no no they don't give you all the information that you need to solve it yourself so it's like and I just feel annoyed no that's that's completely legitimate there are a there are plenty of murder mysteries out there that just make you want to throw things against a wall because uh, that's actually one of the main complaints about Miss Marple is she solves all these murder mysteries from the coziness of her chair, but it's because she always knows something extra mm. and it's just obnoxious sometimes. And other times it's a lot of fun. You know, it, it depends on where you're coming from. But anyway, now you have another 20 minute aside to plop in at the end. And <laughs> at least this one makes me look a little better than the, the other one where you're literally walking me through the plot. Right. Well, uh, so hopefully you include some of me looking intelligent. Of course. 